Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Hunter Bell at Lean Solutions Group. It had been nearly two years since I last interviewed someone from Lean, so it was a real pleasure to catch up and discover more about how they're really breaking through business borders and helping organizations to broaden their reach. It was a great episode, especially in this difficult climate where a flexible and scalable workforce could be the difference between failure and success for your business. So I hope you enjoyed it. But remember that if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 314. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O.com today. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today, I'm excited to welcome a supply chain leader who is passionate about driving sustainability and creating solutions that improves lives to our Woman in Supply Chain series. She's certainly a woman after my own heart, but can you guess who it is? Well, I'll let you know after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked the community, what is the most important leadership skill to lead in today's environment? 36% of you said communication, 30% of you said empathy, 20% of you said listening, and 14% of you said growth mindset. And then we had a wonderful plethora of comments from you all as well. Allison says self-awareness, because from that, all others are more effectively applied. Robert, I would go with all of them. Without the ability to to do all of them in harmony, true leadership is not possible. Tom, I believe that empathy is important, but communication skills are slightly more so. Ramon, all the options are key. However, communication is huge on today's crazy journeys. Ria, all four, Jagadesh, all of them and more required. Ying Yang, empathy is more important than the others. I think a good leader is someone who can make decisions while taking into account the opinions and feelings of others, acknowledging team members' needs. 
Kirsten, all of them. Sinia says all four are important, but leadership starts with empathy. Kyle says empathy. Farzane says growth mindset. Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. As you can tell, we have so much fun every single Wednesday morning where the community comes together and uh, talks about the questions that we post to you in our poll of the week. So now back to today's podcast and the inspirational woman in supply chain I have with me today is Ashley Yentz. Ashley discovered her love for supply chain during several successful internships at automotive mega brand Toyota. And after a stint as a logistics analyst at Hilti, Ashley's career really took flight at Lean Core Supply Chain Group. She developed, implemented, and managed lean supply chains totaling around $300 million in annual transportation spend. And in 2021, she brought all of her experience, knowledge, and passion to her current role as VP of Supply Chain and Material Flow at Sleep Number, a leader in sleep and wellness technology. Today, Ashley will be talking to us about her career so far, her passion for creating a more inclusive workforce, developing customer-focused solutions, and why her ultimate goal is to influence a priority shift towards climate change and social consciousness in the logistics and supply chain industry. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all the women and leaders following in her footsteps. But we would not be able to have this particular Woman in Supply Chain series without our sponsor. Women fuel the success of some of the world's most successful businesses, yet barriers still exist. SAP is committed to supporting and elevating a new generation of women to profoundly lead and impact global supply chains and are proud to support the Women in Supply Chain series and its efforts. Supply chains need to evolve from low-cost and optimized to risk-resilient and sustainable and SAP can help with that. SAP Digital Supply Chain Solutions connect the entire process, design, planning, manufacturing, logistics, maintenance, and service, connecting your supply chains to the rest of your business and all your contextual data, supporting your efforts in alleviating risk in your supply chains. SAP is the market leader in enterprise application software, and for the last 50 years have been helping companies to run better. Find out more at sap.com forward slash SCM. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I am so good and I'm so excited to have you here. I mean, I always get so excited when I meet women who are passionate about sustainability, inclusion, and doing their best to make the world a better place. And you and I just, I think we could talk for hours. I know, we were just talking for 15 minutes. Yeah, and I can't wait to find out more about you. And literally, we only met in September and I feel like I've known you forever and I'm just... So excited to introduce you to our community and and for more people to learn more about you and get to know you and and all that kind of stuff. So let's take it all the way back to the beginning because supply chain careers are never linear and have all sorts of beginnings. And that's part of what I love so much about supply chain. And you have a degree in mathematics. So what was your dream when you were younger? Was it supply chain? I mean, what, what, what did you want to do? 
Yeah, I was I was raised by two um, entrepreneurs. I had a mom who ran her own catering business, and I had a dad that was architect. So, actually, relatively creative careers in a lot of ways. Right. So I didn't know, like, I actually didn't know a ton about supply chain or things, how to make things, or or any of that. Um, I knew I had a skill set in the math and science. Um, arena. And when I went to college, right, like everyone, when you go to college, everyone's like, you got to pick a path, you know, and it's like really scary, especially when you have an older sister who chose her career at a very young age. She wanted to be a doctor and she is a doctor. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do. (laughs) Not me. So I went into college actually thinking I was, I was pre-vet. I wanted to work with animals. I really enjoyed animals and I knew I was good at sciences. And so I kind of went that route. And I ended up um, being placed in a program with mostly pre-med women, um, which was intense. Like if you can imagine a bunch of pre-med women all kind of living together and studying together Um, and quickly found out that science wasn't actually my passion. Like science felt like we were memorizing a lot and I was always strong in mathematics Mm -hmm. and I had a strong emphasis in problem solving. I really understood Mm -hmm. how to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And I didn't come to supply chain until I interned at Toyota. I was, I picked parts in our parts distribution network for Toyota sales. So um, any, anybody that's fulfilling, like you go, you go in and you need a check on your car. I was the warehouse that was fulfilling that order. That's nice. what I started it. And I met a woman. I met um, one of my mentors, Jane Basita. She was the, the vice president of customer service at Toyota Motor Sales. And she walked through our our warehouse. And I said, oh, can I talk to you about something? Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I seem to like it here. Can uh-huh. we talk a little bit more about career awesome. and future? And she was the one that looked at me and heard about my... Um, my skill set in math and everything uh, like that and my passions. And she was like, Hey, I think you'd be really good in supply chain. I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I kind of came to be. Someone told me that I'd be good at it. And that's, that's where I started. So that is awesome. Yeah. When you say math and science, I get a little bit like, like sweat is pouring down my (laughs) math and science was not my forte. And actually I was in French immersion. And so I learned math and science in French all the way up to grade 11. And then they switched it to English courses and I was lost. I was never destined to be a mathematician or a scientist because let me tell you, the terms between French and English did not work for me. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> so I was in like the lowest of the low classes by the end of high school for math and science, only purely for the fact that they changed, they changed languages on me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you can sit in a math class. I was a math major and I sat in multiple classes <laughs> where I didn't know that they were speaking English. Like you're, you're sitting there like, what? I, mean, I took a, I took a class in college that was chaotic theory. Wow. So it was about studying systems that tend towards chaos. Wow. And and like you sit there and no wonder you're like, in supply chain. <laughs> it lended myself, right? A lot of what I talk about with my team is management systems to put pressure right. um, on systems because the third law of thermodynamics tells us every system wakes up. Entropy, it's called entropy, right? Every system wakes up to fall apart. 
And that is what's happening every single day in our processes uh, in supply chain. Yeah, I love that. So you, you talked about Toyota and you talked about your time at Toyota. Other than meeting this woman and her saying, you need to be yeah, in supply chain. Yeah. What, did, what did you learn about working at a company like that? Because at the end of the day, they're, I believe they're lean, are they not? Yes. Yeah. So I got immersed right away. So keep in mind, like, you know, I don't know what I was making, but 10 bucks an hour was probably more right. than that. But, you know, I, I picking parts in a warehouse and I had a... a, a the very first time I set foot in the building, I understood the great care that we had to take to make sure our customer was satisfied, right? Like, so huh. something about okay. lean is about what is it that the customer really wants and yeah. how do we make sure that we're providing them the best value? Mm-hmm. And in my training, right, we I, w- I wasn't allowed to go out on the floor. I, I was like, they put you in this little area to make sure that you can pick a part correctly okay. and you're matching the numbers correctly and you're sorting it correctly for the right dealership. So there's a great amount of care that comes into you understanding your job wow. is really about customer service. It's really about how the customer feels. So I had a really great appreciate, appreciation for customer. And on top of that, my there was an expectation in my hourly job mm-hmm. that I was root causing every gap that was in my day. So for example... Um, lean teaches you about tack time, right? The, the customer beat. I understood that I had to pick five batches within one hour. And okay. every time I finished a batch, I'd put a magnet down and I could see if I was on pace to hit my tack time. If I didn't hit tact, it was my job to understand why I didn't hit why? tact. And it wasn't because I was walking slow or I had right. to, you know, it was because potentially is because I had to pick 100 tiny gaskets in this batch that slowed me down. And I had to kind of, I had to on the board, write my root cause. And then I would talk about it with my leader on how we can maybe improve wow. next time. Same with quality. If I made a quality error in my sort, so I'm sorting the sort station was about what container went to what dealership. So it was really easy. If you can imagine, if you were talking in the sort sort station to sort to a different dealer. Yeah. And so you, you would get a report back that said you messed up these two orders, which was also just like, Oh man, you know, like right. when you know that the customer is so important, you just, you mess somebody's car up that weekend yeah. or whatever. Right you would go back and research. So it's like, well, what did I get wrong? Did yeah. I get the quantity wrong? Was it, did I, did I maybe talk too much in the sort area? What was it that went wrong? And it was my job to problem solve and do better next time, huh. which I think is really a lean culture is really about seeing um, a difference between plan and actual and, and solving that problem at the root cause. And it, and it is accountability of everyone, not just leaders. So I think you hit that nail on the head, like accountability and responsibility of self Yes. rather than shame. Yeah. So if you think about somebody making a mistake, right, in in any organization, the first mm-hmm. usual go-to is shame, right? right? The person feels shame. The person that is like, oh, we can't make these mistakes, you know, contributes to that shame, but taking that shame and turning it into results-driven accountability and responsibility where the person has to take their own accountability and responsibility. It's not up to somebody else to make them do that. 
Uh, it's huge. That's a really, really big learning lesson and something that is huge to anybody's career, not just in supply chain, but really just in general of how yeah. to move through mistakes. Because I yep. find that a lot of people don't know how to move through that mentally. Yeah. Um, when we do make mistakes, whether you're the person who is talking to the person who made the mistake or whether you're the person who has made that mistake. Yes. Here's the thing. We just talked about systems wake up and want to break on us. Right. Like it, it even like humanity is about making mistakes. We are going to make mistakes. And the best thing we can do is just do better next time and understand what we're, what we've done and, and do our best. And that's kind of what I was taught was, Hey, you know, there's usually a reason. And then the reason is typical process. It's not because of me, it was process or procedure that we had to maybe modify um, and get better at. And, And it could be things I remember we had one of my errors, I can't remember, was probably a quantity error. And one of the solutions we put in place is when I got my batch of tickets, this is before scanners, so I'm aging myself a little bit, (laughs) but you would get your batch of stickers to put on each little baggie. And the first thing I would do is I would scan that batch of stickers for anything over a quantity of one. And then I would highlight it with a highlighter. And so what that did was just triggered it in my brain that I had to pay attention to that sticker as I was picking that part. So there was like little things that you could do in your process just to help yourself and do better. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're personally accountable. Like no one was out there policing me. No one was watching me put stuff into bins. Right. Right. Um, And it was my, it was my job. It was my accountability to meet expectations. I had to, I had to figure out how to do better. So love that. Love that. So where did you go from there? I, I, you've had a few, you know, um, career jumps. Um, yeah. so talk to us about where you went from there. So, um, I spent some time at Toyota. I moved around. It took me into, um, my job in the warehouses took me to a strategic planning department in, um, our corporate office at the time was in LA. They've moved since, but it was in LA. I worked in LA for a little bit and that was really cool. It was a way to m- match my math degree with work. I was mm-hmm. looking at, the size of cars on the road and the size of cars we were servicing and what was happening with the part size. So if you think about a Camry in 98 versus a Camry in 2004, the car got bigger, right? So I was actually forecasting space needs in our distribution network and when we were going to need larger space. And then what we did is we actually backed that back. So, you know, everything in lean tells us, well, we can do better, right? Like we're not just going to make a bigger building. We got to do better. So that turned into a career of Kaizen facilitation where I was going to the distribution centers and I was working on um, material flow and space. It was like, how do we get more space out of this area? How do we make this process better so that we could really extend our time in facility and not have to break out from an infrastructure perspective? And so that kind of gave me more of a global sense of how this network worked with each other, et cetera, Mm -hmm. um, and, and took me into an inventory role after that, where really my job was actually setting up space to implement a WMS. We didn't have a WMS, okay. <laughs> again, no scanners to scanners. Right. And then, um, and really because you had terminals, you had different things that you had to use with the WMS. We had to make sure our material flow and our process was really tight so that when we put it, when we layered a system on top of it, we wouldn't have errors. So that was, that was my role for a really long time. And then from there, so the, I was working at Toyota right when, um, our, our large um, recession hit around 2008, 2009. Automotive really took a hit. We were one of the first people on the curb to take a hit. I decided to take a role um, as a logistics analyst. So going into, you know, transportation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
trucks at uh, Hilti North America. And okay. I didn't, um, that was cool because it's construction. So I was in charge of carrier procurement, that's logistics hard. design and all construction for, is hard. Yeah. And for delivering to a construction site, which mm -hmm. one construction sites don't have addresses, by the way, like, <laughs> like how do you get to a construction site? And we were like meeting, you know, Joe Taylor on this side of the, the construction site. And we were, we were partnering with couriers. We were, and, and honestly, when we talk about on-time delivery, right, customer service, think about a construction site that has a big crane yep. and they only have that crane for five hours. Right. You have to be able to get the fasteners or whatever the, the material is to them within that time frame. So yeah. a lot of work on like analytics on how we were getting there, yeah. at what time were our service providers doing the best for us at the best cost. Um, and then I also did some large network optimization from an inventory flow perspective while I was there. Um, so had a lot of, uh, a lot to learn from like logistics and network mm -hmm. perspective in transportation. I got to get to know carrier, you know, mm -hmm. things that you, I know that you have experience and like yeah. things you don't always get a get exposure to. Yeah. And the other thing I learned at Hilti at the time, they didn't have a great lean culture, continuous improvement culture. And I felt very stuck. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had the autonomy to solve my own problems. Okay. I didn't feel like I could go and learn about different things the same way I felt at Toyota. Right. And I started doing a lot of research um, on, well, what do I want to do? Right? Like, where do I want to be? What do yeah. I want to, where do I want to spend my time? And I knew I wanted to go back to a lean culture and I started researching companies. And at the time there was a startup, they were about probably four years old called Lean Core Supply Chain Group. And they had a model where they have training and education, consulting and third-party logistics. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to a training course and learned about how they were applying lean principles to the end-to-end -end supply chain, which I had never like thought about, my, right? Yeah. You were and in my mind parts was like, of it. And that's... A lot of times in that that period of time that you were doing this, it was very siloed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so they were really taking an end-to-end -end approach. And I thought that was fascinating. And I was like, well, I'm going to work for these folks because they were cool. They were young. They were new. And they were had a new approach I hadn't seen in the market before awesome. um, and ended up like kind of hanging out on their website for a couple of months, trying to figure out when they had a spot available, applied to a position and ended up getting a different role through that application process to implement a lean supply chain end to end for a furniture retailer here in Minneapolis. Cool. And I got to learn about their big, the big problem we were solving was again, customer. Their biggest problem was a customer came in and um, their number one detractor was material availability, meaning I came in and I wanted this thing tomorrow and yeah. it wasn't available tomorrow. So my job was how do we flow material from supplier, right? How do we create yeah. visibility and process yeah. and um, systems to flow material just in time, right? Without loading the barn of inventory, how do we get the right inventory strategy and the right logistics strategy to um, eradicate that cause? How do we get the material to the customer when they want it? And in in about five years time, we were able to do that. That that reason nice. went away um, and learned a ton, right? I got the exposure. I got to basically sit at, sit at the table with the CEO, the leadership, the, the organization, and really harness the strategy through. And that was incredible. It was so hard. I think I cried a couple of times, but <laughs> only it was a couple <laughs> at least. Well, okay. And so let me just pause you there for a second. Mm -hmm. Cause you're at the table, right? Yeah. Are you the only woman in the room. 
I was one of two, I think, at the time. Yeah. So how did that all go? And you're yeah. leading the charge on this really critical point yeah. that makes or breaks an organization. Well, luckily, right, I was surrounded by a leader that believed in me, my customer. Honestly, I'm sitting at the table with my customer. These aren't even my employers. Yeah. Um, And um, I had had great relationships. I had taken the time to make relationships with the people at the table, and they valued my opinion, um, which makes a difference when you're a woman. When someone wants to listen to you, respects your space. And, and and really is taking and wants to hear what your thoughts are. And that's been a common theme in my career success okay. is I've always had people around me that want to hear from me. Um, okay. The moment I didn't, I'm Why out Why do there. you think that is? Like, what have you done? Like, what is it that somebody can do um, to make sure that they kind of have the same experience as you, because, you know, it doesn't happen for everybody. Yes. Right. There's a bit of a component of, you know, those people need to be the right people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a component of you that makes that difference. And so what is it that you think that that is and what people can do? I think something that I'm, um, really good at is honestly getting to know people, right? We just talked about how like, we feel like we've known each other for like, I I feel like I'm an easy person to talk to. And that Mm -hmm. skill lended myself to getting to know the people behind Mm -hmm. the work and then helping me understand how to communicate effectively with those people so that they would Mm -hmm. hear me, right? Like kind of meet them where they are as a human and then, and then get to know each other and have empathy for one another that we are building something together. They're a teammate, right? They're part of our community. So we so we have to kind of get to know people. And we also have to be vulnerable and let people get to know us. That's, yeah. I think, something that's hard for a lot of people. When people know you and know your thoughts and you're transparent with them, I think people respect that at the end of the day. And I think that's something, a skill, or I don't know if it's a skill or an attribute, but it's it's a valuable thing to have is just connecting with someone as a human. Well, and I think too, a lot of what you're talking about as well is curiosity. You spent a yeah. lot of time really learning about a variety of different things so that when you were put into that position, you could really bring that knowledge to the table um, to really come up with those solutions and command that yeah. respect. Yeah. Seek to understand, like when we talk about career growth and development, yeah. seeking to understand is such a huge part of anyone's job and will set you apart. Right. Um, don't assume you know the answers, like really come in and truly try to seek to understand what people are wanting, what they, what their viewpoints are and really, um, inquire like what well what does this mean and like I spent a lot of time when I joined that furniture retailer I really spent a lot of time understanding their business and their brand and like how do how how do I play a role in making them successful in this business yeah and how does that correlate to a strategy in their supply chain and I think also like what do they understand about supply chain like what are the gaps in their knowledge that I can bring to the table to really help them better understand and even you know help them become that even more successful organization. That's exactly right. And like, honestly, some people often are looking for outside an outside lens and, and the people that have had a long time in supply chain, we've seen a lot, right? We kind of understand, 
I have this principle um, that us people in supply chain and honestly in logistics and transportation, we see the we see the impact of business decisions, mm-hmm. right? So a business decision might be made up here. We may want to market the hell out of this futon for college right. season. Yeah. Well, what does that do, right? It all manifests itself into the yes. supply chain, right? The way we have to bend over backwards to get a container in. Then we mm-hmm. load the bar, we, right? We put it all in our warehouse and then we got to bleed it out. Like that impacts our labor, that impacts our trucks, mm-hmm. that impacts a lot of things. So we have a really unique view, like for anyone that's working in supply chain, feel confident in the, in the fact that you actually see what's going on in the business. And if we can do it right, if we can tell the story right, we can influence business strategy based right. on what's happening in the supply mm-hmm. chain. Amazing. Amazing. So how did you end up at Sleep Number? So I ended up Sleep Number. So we... um. During COVID at LeanCore, if you can imagine being a small company that moves stuff, mm-hmm. when your customers stop moving stuff, you get a little scared, right? right. Um, so we got a little nervous. We were a family-owned company. Um, we um, we kind of we were kind of thinking about what does this mean for us. We were in the in the stage of our technology. We also produced our own technology, our TMS. That our technology probably would have needed a significant investment to okay. continue on the path that we needed. So we ended up. Um, making the decision to sell to a strategic organization, TransPlace at the time, which is now Uber Freight. Um, And in that transition, I had talked earlier about people wanting my opinion Mm -hmm. and feeling valued. I walked into a culture that didn't respect my opinion, didn't want my viewpoint, even though we had created this company that made an impact immediately to their Mm P&L. No big deal. But like we, but, I just didn't feel listened to. I didn't feel respected. And I immediately needed to make a change for myself, right? I didn't feel like this was my community. The other piece of it was we were, again, we had this approach that we wanted to be end-to-end supply chain people. I felt like we went to an organization that was very commodity-driven transportation. And I and like principally, that wasn't aligning to my values. So this um, is a very important point to just take yeah. a pause for a second, because you have said three major things there. Yeah. I didn't feel valued. Mm-hmm. It didn't align with my principles. And I knew that I had to make a move. Yeah. Now these, the reason why I pause here is because these are really, really big deals. I don't yeah. want to just gloss over it because <laughs> a lot of time we feel a lot of different things, but we don't do anything about it. And you have, this is the second time that you've said this in the moves that you've made within your careers. And so I want to reiterate to everybody who's listening is your intuition, Mm -hmm. how you're feeling, being in tune with what it is that's working for you and what's, what's not working for you. Being principled doesn't have to mean that you're a bad person (laughs) for wanting to go and seek out more for yourself. And it doesn't mean that the organization is a bad organization. It just means that there's not a fit. And when there's not a fit, you can't do your best work and they can't get the best out of you either. And so it actually makes more sense for you as an individual and the organizations that you've served for you to do what's right for you. And so I just want to pause there and make that point because too many times we sit in a position that doesn't do anybody any justice. That's exactly right. And and we talked a little bit about this before we started this, yeah. this segment, but um, 
It is. So work is part of life. It's not work-life balance. Yeah. We are just, this is life. And you have to be surrounded by a community that you're enjoying, that is getting the best out of you, that you feel the best at. You can be yourself. You can bring your authentic self to work every day. Mm-hmm. And two, it's like, it's like fun. You want to be surrounded by fun people. This is life. Like, let's have fun. We're with these people eight hours a day. Yeah. Like, Yes. Let's Sometimes or more. more, right? <laughs> so let's let's have fun. Like let's make sure you have to make sure that it's aligning to you and your life. And there will be parts of your life, and I'm sure I will experience it again, where your life may change in a different way, mm-hmm. and your values and principles may shift, and that's okay. In that moment, have confidence in what you're feeling, and have confidence in your abilities. I think a lot of us feel like we don't have the right abilities to to make a change or whatever, but I can tell you like what you've learned, especially in supply chain is going to be valuable Mm -hmm. and you just have to find the right fit for you uh, when you, when you're not having fun anymore. Yeah. And we've got a blended episode coming up later this month about parenthood. And we talk about this. We talk about whether it's work-life balance or, you know, whether it's really the organization that needs to help balance yeah. somebody holistically in their, their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you need daycare at work, because that's what works for you, there's organizations out there that provide it. That's Don't exactly get right. stuck in an organization that doesn't. And your anxiety is through the roof because you have to get to, or it's going to cost you so much money. Like these are all the different things that we've talked about. Um, and I think organizations looking at people holistically, And also understanding that this is how they're making those decisions. That's a big deal. And I don't think that they, they think about that too, too much. Right. Yeah. Just think about that a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, one thing I look for, and I looked for when I moved to sleep number was how they treat their people from a benefits perspective, from an inclusion perspective, and what their thoughts were about bringing your best self to work and how work relates with life. And that's not only important for myself, but it's important in attracting top talent and diverse teams. I um, I have a diverse team and I have a team, um, something that I'm most proud of. My team gave me feedback and an engagement score that 100% of them feel comfortable showing up as they are to work, meaning yeah. they don't feel like they have to be a different person, um, whatever. And I for me to bring someone into my organization, I have to feel confident that they can feel their best, which means I have to look out for companies that have benefits, not only that benefit myself, but benefit people that aren't like me. And that and, are going to work for your team. Like that yeah, are going to be and that are gonna be, that team that you're going to build. And I yeah. mean, it all starts with sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you can't be a company that promotes sleep and doesn't do any of the rest of it because yeah. it does all start with a good night's sleep. <laughs> yes. We are a wellness company. We <laughs> truly believe like everyone needs to be sleeping on our bed so they get the best night's sleep yeah. because that's where it starts. That's where we're rested. So yeah. we value wellness. We value wellness in the individual family, financial wellness. We talk about financial wellness a lot at Sleep Number. Just again, these are all things that enable you to be your best self, starting with sleep, right? When you get when you get a really nice time, you know, really nice deep sleep, you feel great going to work. You feel you like you're engaging with your kids all of a sudden, right? They're not annoying you. You're like, oh, you're cool. Let's talk. You know, there's like all these things um, that hinge off of sleep. And um, that's what I mean really attracted me to sleep number. And then honestly, like 
again, going back to having fun at work, as I was as I was working through the interview processes at a couple companies, people I really liked the people. I was like, these people are cool. Let's have conversation. You know, these people yeah. seem like they would value my opinion and I value theirs and there's a mutual respect and it's going to be fun. So, so is that 100% score one of the things that you're most proud of? What What are some of the things that you can really look back on your career and so far and, and be the most proud of? Yeah. So that is, that has been my most recent thing that I'm most proud of. I, that is, as I've um, developed in my career, and understood, right? We talked about my values and what I cared about. What I cared about very clearly through my career is being able to show up as myself. I just want to be me. And I'm really good when I'm me, right? Like that's, that's kind of it. And I need people, I need my team members to show up that way because they have to be good because we're going to be the best, right? Like we're the best team. (laughs) Anyway, so, but but that's, that was really um, encouraging for me to see that. And I hope it can, it stays that way. I hope people continue to feel that way. And then, you know, I was nominated um, for top women in logistics. Yes, you were top 10. Congratulations. Yeah. And thank you. And what was cool about that is in some of the comments, they talked about me being kind of an approachable and transparent leader. And I believe, right, there there are nuances to this in business, but I I firmly believe in bringing my team along and being transparent with them, either in my expectations, where we need to do better, et cetera, because it's the only way people get better. And something that I experienced in my career were sometimes leaders that kind of block you from certain things, which actually don't give me the picture that I need to excel yeah. in my role. Yeah. And so that's kind of the two values that I really try to bring to the table. And, and transparency, honestly, is me, right? That That's part of me being able to be me, yeah. is um, being being kind of recognized as someone that's transparent and that's going to bring you along, but also allow you to be your best self at work. Yeah. Cleo Wade says, I think it's real leaders lead with love. And yeah. I love that saying because love doesn't have to mean that you're like gushing over them and being like, I love you. Right. <laughs> but like love can be in the form of acceptance. It can be in the form of empathy. It can be in the form of transparency and authenticity and yeah. just showing up as yourself and treating people as the humans that they are. Yeah. Right. And I- meeting them where they are as well, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really important and just goes to show how much of, you know, a leader you are and why you're so respected in the industry. It's not only the knowledge and everything that you bring to the table. It's that you're showing up as yourself and you're allowing others to do the same. Yeah, exactly. So what, uh, what has your experience been? Um, I know we talked a little bit about uh, being the, the second woman or the, Mm -hmm the one of two women <laughs> at the table, but throughout the career, mm-hmm. um, what has it been like? Because obviously Toyota uh, automotive is very male dominated. Mm-hmm. Construction is very male dominated. Did you experience anything really being a, a woman in some of those male dominated fields, especially, you know, being our age supply chain yeah. has also been very male dominated as well. Was there yeah. anything you experienced or maybe, um, a story you want to share, or even some advice from some of the experiences that you've had that you want to share with with others? Yes, I, I would say find your community that respects you, but also don't take things personally. Right. I, That's um, hard. <laughs> the, right. Culture 
And history has what set up this system that isn't always built or friendly for women. And you have to remember that. And you also need to speak speak up and advocate for yourself when appropriate. I have a story I will never forget. I was the senior leader on for this customer. Um, I was meeting a new person, a new leader at this customer, and I I uh, flew down to good old Alabama, and was meeting uh, with this customer with one of my peers, um, and he was a male, and I will never forget having a whole conversation where he did not look at me once. That has happened to me way too many times. (laughs) He was looking at my male counterpart, talking to him about stuff that was my job. Right. But, but it, it, and I just sat there like, come on, like what in the world? Am I invisible? Like, this is crazy. What in the world? world? And I was able to address that with my male colleague because he and I had an existing relationship that we felt very open and honest about. And he helped he helped advocate for me after that. Um, so I was able to speak up to myself with the person that I trusted and um, felt comfortable with. Um, but that'll happen, right? Like that happened to me a lot. Um, I had a male leader at one of my organizations tell me I need to wear more lipstick um, at a customer presentation. Wow. And at that point I advocated for myself and guess what? Like that person didn't work for our company for very much longer. Right. The good news is if you're find a community that you believe in, that you feel safe in the, the, the bad stuff will weed itself out. Things That's will true. get better. And I've also take, took it on myself. I have to be the leader that shows other leaders what diverse teams can do. Mm-hmm. I have to advocate for women. I have to advocate for um, any any person that's been othered in any way. Like that's my responsibility because I know how it feels like. Yeah. And so, and when now that I'm part of these rooms that are male dominated, I have to speak up. I cannot be quiet, which that takes a lot of courage and has yeah. built over time. Like I, I wasn't able to do that when I was 18. Right. But I'm sure, like, I don't know, I have a lot of faith in this generation behind us. I bet you those women are, I don't know. Like, I think they're probably rocking it at that, but um, it is. Do do you know what they're better at? They're better at boundaries. They're so good at boundaries, right? (laughs) And I am in awe because like right now I'm navigating boundaries. Yes, we weren't taught that. Like we we really weren't taught that, but boundaries are important for anyone's career. You should definitely look into that. Um, But (laughs) <laughs> the you've got to, you just have to have the courage to speak up. And again, if it doesn't work out in your favor, then that's not the community you want to be part of. Like, yeah. it, it's just like, that's the boundary, right? Watch the red um, flags. <laughs> Pay attention yeah. to the red flags because one yeah. day they're going to hit you in the face and then you're going to be like, now what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that, that is so funny. It actually happened to me probably about six months ago. Um, I was on like a prep call for something and this person would only address the males in the room. Oh and I was the one that was supposed to be <laughs> conducting the conversation, like, like hello, and moderating the conversation. Right. And I was like, wait a second, is this 2022? I'm yeah. Entirely, like, is it the what, Twilight <laughs> Zone? Because I'm not entirely sure where I am right now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, just address them. And it was on, it was virtual. It wasn't in person. And so that's how obvious it was. 
Because I was like, um, how is this conversation going to actually go? Because I don't know if he's going to like listen to me or whatever, which was, Unbelievable. was just cra- kind of crazy. So what's your favorite thing about your career or maybe supply chain in general? What's your... Oh, you know. well, the fa- my, my favorite thing about supply chain in general is honestly, it's so you can learn so much. You will mm-hmm. never get bored and you can go, you can do all sorts of things in supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really lends itself to a lot of different skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very cool. I, I think it's cool that back when I was in college, I didn't even know what supply chain was. Right. And now there's whole degrees on it and people are finding it more important. You know, oh no, we're just the protectors of gross margin. No big deal. Right. right? Um, No big deal. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, and, and I think what's happening, what's shaping out is this importance of supply chain. This, we, we, again, we see what, how business manifests itself. Mm-hmm. from a P&L perspective. And we have a lot of knowledge because of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very exciting. You can have a really broad view of business, even when you're working within supply chain. And I um, I think that's really exciting. And really exciting if you get bored because you can just go over there and try something else. Yeah, try inventory. Try yeah, that's so true. And we're the protectors, I think, of sustainability too. Yes, because yes. every road of sustainability leads back to what we do in supply chain. Yeah, and you know, a lot of emissions and everything does come from supply chain. So not only are we the protector of those gross margins, we're also the protector and the leader and the one who can make the most impact in sustainability. And I know that that's something that is important to you. So you know, final thoughts on that. What what do you, what do you want to share? Well, we talked a lot about humanity and community, mm-hmm. and because we source, make, and move the stuff right? We have to consider what that is doing to our local communities and often our communities that our people are working in, right? We have people that are part of our community working in these areas that potentially we are doing harm to. And we have to look at that and go, well, is that the right thing? It's not. And in my experience, a lot of what we can do from a sustainability perspective over time is really good for that gross margin. It's really good for cost. Yeah. Um, and we need to just, we need to be rethinking how we're impacting the world because like as much as business and capitalism is about making money, I think we're at this tipping point in the world where we, that can't be it. We can't do that at the expense of humanity. Like we're, we're not, killing the world we're killing humanity like like, so like let's like like if we want to be selfish for for a second this is about sustaining humanity yeah and um nothing is worth humans in my opinion um and animals but you know what i'm saying like this is this is and we've um just got to think about our worlds very differently and i believe profit and sustainability frankly go hand in hand and i think uh we've proven that over time yeah. Um, well, and we've got we've got a lot of responsibility as supply chain professionals, and I think it's really important that we find our voice 
because mm-hmm. we're advocating for a lot of different things. We're advocating yeah. for sustainability. We're advocating for diversity and inclusion. We're advocating for that bottom line. You yep. know, we're we're advocating and making like the impact that we make as supply chain professionals. I think we gloss over way too much and we are too important to the business, to the environment, to the planet. Um, that we really need to remember that and remind yeah. ourselves of how important supply chain and supply chain professionals really are to the world. So I have loved this conversation. I mean, everybody knows how passionate I am about sustainability and inclusion. And it's, you know, just so nice to have a conversation with somebody who is like-minded, like yeah. me. And um, agrees that we can live very harmoniously with supply chain. We just need, you know, more people like yourself to really champion that. And uh, I have loved this. I mean, I think you and I think along the same lines. And we're passionate about some of the same things. And uh, this was a really great conversation. Ashley, thank you for, you know, having the courage and being brave to be authentically you and for coming on and, and sharing that with our audience today. Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. It's my pleasure and always love talking. So thank you for having me. You're going to have to do it again. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com and check out the latest if you use the search bar. So if you are looking for a solution to a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had them on the show. And the most important reason to listen to that podcast is to find out if you are a good fit for that vendor before you get into their sales funnel. We ask questions like, who is your ideal client? And give me a real life example of how you have helped one of your customers so that you can really dive in and see if they are the vendor for you. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com to do that. You can also check out the episodes over on our YouTube channel as well. And remember to come back next week and I'm going to be joined by Trace Gaines. Now, if you watch and follow Thoughts and Coffee, which is my live show that happens every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, I recently had Trace Gaines on on the show. And it has been one of our most watched episodes. They provided so many insights into the food supply chain and how we think about it, not only as supply chain professionals, but as consumers as well. And this episode that's coming up next week is going to be 
even better than Thoughts and Coffee because we are going to be doing a deep dive into what they do and the impact that they have on the industry. So definitely stay tuned and check that out. If you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com. Also, the Blended Pledge also has a newsletter. So if you go to the Blended Pledge LinkedIn page, go and sign up for that newsletter. We are giving away free passes to conferences and so, so much more. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.